0: This CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoints, and here is your host, Sanjog All. Welcome listeners, Uh, this is Sanjog All, your host, and the topic for today's conversation is uh, complex case law e-discovery is predictive coding a panacea. And I have with me Shannon Capone Kerr. She is the e-discovery counsel at Ropes & Gray. Hello, Shannon. How are you? Hello.
1: I'm great. Uh, And you?
0: Very good. Fabulous. Thank you for joining us. So uh, just wanted to, in in this particular context, get your wisdom and insight when it comes to predictive coding. Uh, What we have learned all along is that reviewing huge volumes of electronic documents is anyway a painstaking process. And predictive coding has been provided as a solution. It's been offered as a solution. How well does this actually work?
1: Uh, well, it, it can work well, uh, but it depends on a few things. It depends on the volume of material that you have, the volume of data. It depends on the tool that you're using, and it depends on what your goal is. So let me break that down a little bit. When I talk about volume, I mean, of course, the amount of data that you have to review. So uh, predictive coding is, I have found at least, um, more effective, more cost-cutting and useful if you have a large amount of data, right? Um, The tool, of course, is going to also seriously impact how well it actually works. And keep in mind that predictive coding is actually just a very broad term that that covers a number of different products. And actually, technically, predictive coding is really applied to only one tool out there, uh, and I, I believe that they either tried to or have a trademark on that phrase. However, we all use it to um, refer to what's also known as, uh, more generally, technology-assisted review. Right? And so what we're really talking about here is where a review platform will learn from attorneys who teach it what uh, it's looking for, what the attorneys are looking for, and the computer assists them in bringing back and calling back like, uh, like documents, so to speak. So that's a very simple way to look at it. Um, so, whether or not predictive coding is a useful solution is of course going to depend on the tool, and all of the tools are different um, They all operate very differently, so it doesn't it's not like a coke Pepsi kind of comparison. They all do functionally very different things um, and then finally, what is your goal right? So I have found that predictive coding is best when you're dealing with a larger population of documents and you really just want to use the tool for a binary decision, and that being responsive or not responsive. So, so far in my experience, um, tool, a, a, a particular quote-unquote predictive coding tool was very useful in cutting costs when we were able to just uh, schlep off you know, a large amount of non-responsive documents and we were really truly making a binary responsive, not responsive call. I have not had good experience in using the tool for uh, more nuanced issues or complicated issue finding. I have found that it um, has not been effective in at least the cases I've used it for For that. Uh, Of course, I'm not speaking beyond what I've actually done and um, there could be other attorneys out there who have been able to use a different tool in a different way.
0: So while predicting coding uh, is supposed to identify relevant documents, and, but you still know that the final set which is produced has to be agreed upon by human beings which are, who are representing both parties. When it comes to that, do you think you can, you can uh, say that predictive coding can only go so far, and then how do, if this is the case in any ways, how do organizations justify investing in it and actually using the software?
1: Okay, so let's back up a little bit, because you said something in there that um, I feel we need to clarify, because there is this, uh, and I'll call it a misunderstanding, a misunderstanding that the final set of documents when using predictive coding has to to be agreed upon by both parties. Um, That's not the case in my opinion, okay? Uh, The producing party has a duty, no doubt, to conduct a reasonable search of relevant or potentially relevant documents and conduct a um, search of those documents and review them and produce them, right? Now, there could be this misunderstanding about predictive coding because there's been two cases in the last year the De Silva case coming out of the Southern District of New York and a, I believe it's called Global Aerospace, which is a Virginia State Court case, um, in which both of the parties in both of those cases agreed, okay, to a predictive coding review methodology in which they would share the seed sets of the documents and the iterations of those documents and also is sharing with um, opposing party, the producing party, sharing with the opposing party documents that were coded not responsive, okay? And And the reason for that was the producing party Um, Agreed to allow the receiving party to sort of cross check their work. In other words, as you're saying, agree upon essentially the methodology and ultimately the final set. Uh, Now, not everybody agrees that that is the correct approach. And in fact, in the Clean Products case in the Northern District of Illinois before Judge Nan Nolan, the plaintiffs in a large antitrust matter uh, tried to compel the defendants to use predictive coding or something similar to predictive coding that they called something else. I can't think of it right now. Um, In any event, that process that they proposed, the plaintiffs proposed, would have required that sharing of the seed sets and sort of that, you know, involvement of both parties in the review process. Ultimately, through a series of hearings, the judge determined that, no, uh, it is actually up to the producing party, how best to evaluate their review methodology, and she cited Sedona Principle 6. Now, Sedona Principle 6 comes out of the Sedona Conference, which is a group of lawyers, industry professionals, and judges who have devoted their time to creating principles for e-discovery and other uh, issues as well, and they're highly regarded and cited in numerous cases. And Sedona Principle 6 states that, quote, the responding parties are best situated to evaluate the procedures, methodologies, and technologies appropriate for preserving and producing their own electronically stored information. So you see, that gets us away from this notion that, uh, in all cases, this final set or the methodology to get to the final set must be agreed upon. Now, of course... Uh, if the receiving party does not think that the producing party produced everything or did a reasonable search, they can make that argument. And I think I interrupted you.
0: Sorry. No, actually, I, it is good that you, you uh, finished on this note. And what basically we are trying to explore here is, is this predictive coding technology actually can make uh, the costs go lower, basically to, for cost reduction, it, can it be used, and it can actually make uh, the process more efficient and better? Is this primarily used by general counsels and attorneys and you actually advocate it?
1: Okay, so I think you said in there primarily. No, not yet. It is not primarily advocated by general counsel or attorneys yet. However, it is certainly a topic of serious Consideration. Uh, and it is something that I always evaluate in every case now whether it would be appropriate in that particular case. Will it save money? As I mentioned, if used correctly on the right case with the right tool, yes. And for example, I had a case where we uh, estimated that the review, if we, done, if we had done it in the traditional method, would have taken 12 weeks and cost a certain amount of money. We use predictive coding, however, to cut that review down to three weeks and thereby cutting the cost of attorney time by more than $300,000. Uh, and so in that case, you can see that there are serious cost savings to be had, which is why people are paying attention to this.
0: And in terms of the intelligence of this, this technology that has been uh, shared with the rest of the world... Is that truly that, that Star Trek version of a self, self-learning type of technology that the more you use it, the better it gets in trying to help find relevant documents?
1: Um, you know, it's, it's not Star Trek. And uh, I wish that there was such a thing that I could just plug in and tell it what I was looking for. And, you know, the, the uh, magical theory would come back with all of my responsive documents. But you know what? We're just not there yet. However, uh, it does seem that the the better the human teachers are to the tool and the more time and iterations it, that those attorneys spend with the tool, the better the tool is and the better your results will be. Um, now, keep in mind, though, that... Predictive coding is just one tool. It is one tool in the whole arsenal of what lawyers have before them nowadays to conduct efficient and cost-effective document review. So it should not be the only tool uh, to be used. There are other technologies out there that live in tandem with predictive coding. You still have traditional search terms, and I'm not convinced that those must die a quick death. They are, there is still use to some degree, of some level of search terms. Um, there's also, as I mentioned, the technological tools. There are conversational patterns that the tool will uh, provide to users, um, visual depictions, so to speak, of who's talking to t- who and when, which helps you to identify relevant conversation threads, relevant folks who perhaps you haven't thought of, uh, timeframes and spikes in conversations that are helpful to zero in on quickly, uh, i.e. cutting down review time. There's also more advanced deduplication tools out there, which allows you to apply coding from, to one document to a number of documents, whether they reside as attachments to an email or within users' uh, the file repository.
0: All right, let's uh, take a quick yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was oh no, just
1: gonna add that there's there's uh issue categorization, there's also automatic timelines. So all of these things all together should live with predictive coding to make for smarter reviews.
0: All right, let's take a quick break. When we are back, we will look at the the aspects of e-discovery. That you feel may not be best suited, no matter how sophisticated this this technology becomes. It is not as suitable for uh, the overall uh, e-discovery process. But we'll explore that more when we come back. Please stay tuned. Take control of eDiscovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint. All right, welcome back. Uh, So, Shannon, to what degree do you think a seasoned attorney like you and others that you know can actually rely on this predictive coding technology? In your experience, what aspects of e discovery? cannot be programmed into such software? And also, are there any possibilities of missing documents that, that, that could impose risk? And also, could it be possible that it could introduce false positives?
1: Sure. Uh, so, I'll tackle the first part of your question. To what degree can attorneys rely on the uh, predictive coding? Um, well, seasoned attorneys should rely on predictive coding Only to the extent that that the, the folks that they have assigned to teach the tool are actually teaching the tool in the manner in which is appropriate and reasonable and will result in the best use of the tool. So part of it is definitely dependent on human input. So it is certainly not the case that we can just simply rely on the tool. A large part of it is who is doing the teaching of the seed sets. And the seed sets, of course, are a statistical sample of the entire corpus of documents that you code as a human reviewer, and then that is what is teaching the whole system. So part of this, as a seasoned attorney to understand, is that it is certainly something that um, relies on human input and therefore whatever degree those folks are knowledgeable is is the degree to which you could rely on the tool. Also, the tool itself, it depends. It, it, all of these tools are different. Uh, seasoned attorneys should do their own homework and testing on the reliability of these tools. And to my knowledge, um, no specific tool has actually been tested in terms of techno- technology by a court and found to be not adequate or adequate. What the court have said so far is uh, yes, what I have heard so far from you, party, plaintiff or defendant, is that this is a reliable tool and I have no reason to disagree with that and certain studies show that technology assisted review may be more effective than human review. So I will allow it, right? Um, The next part of your question is what cannot be relied upon within these tools? Uh, I have found so far that uh, predictive coding or technology assisted review is not um very effective or precise when trying to find or ferret out work product or attorney client communications to a large degree that is still very human dependent on finding those and i've not found a tool yet that is uh very good at being um accurate with respect to those very important calls by the way and that you know is primarily why we do a large part of document review is to make sure that we are not producing privileged communications or work product. Lastly, the last part of your question had to do with risks. What are the risks of missing documents um, with, with technology-assisted review, and uh, what are the risks of finding false positives? So, of course, the risks of not finding otherwise responsive documents are that you as counsel will not be compliant with the rules uh, and the requirements of your professional responsibility rules and with the federal rules of civil procedure that you conduct a reasonable search. What it will all come down to is an evaluation of the process that you put in place. What was the procedure? What was your QC? Who did the review? And truly... Uh, how well did you run and supervise that review? It will come down to the process, right? So your risk, of course, is that your process was not good, and therefore you will be found to have not complied with your duties as counsel to conduct a reasonable search. The risk, of course, is that that could lead to sanctions. Um, The risk of finding false positives uh, is that, well, you know, that again speaks to not having a good process, right? If you're finding and continuing to find too many false positives, it should be telling you one of two things. Either A, your tool is not good, or B, your process is not good. And, of course, the risk of having too many false positives is that you have now run up your review costs and you're not really uh, saving the client any money.
0: Finally, what do you really want from predictive coding, and how is that any different from what the corporate general counsels expect from it?
1: Um, Of course, what I want, which I I think is 100% aligned with what corporate general counsel want, I think, is that I want to save time and I want to save money. And I want to save time because I want to meet my deadlines. And I also want to save time because it reduces the amount of attorney hours having to do review, which therefore saves uh, the client money. But at the same time, I also want a tool that is accurate uh, because I have, uh, as a duty... As an attorney, I have a duty and my client has a duty to be compliant with the federal rules of civil procedure or the state court rules, whatever court I'm in, to conduct a reasonable search and to produce uh, documents that are responsive or will lead to uh, relevant information, admissible information. And uh, so I think that uh, those goals of what I want out of predictive coding or technology assisted review uh, should be consistent with what corporate general counsel would want as well.
0: Once again, thank you, Shannon, so much for sharing your thoughts and insights about uh, complex case law e-discovery and how predictive coding can and or cannot add value.
1: Thank you for having me today.
0: Thank you again. And listeners, I invite you to find more conversations about e-discovery on our website at www.ciotalkradio.com slash e-discovery. Thank you for listening to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoints. For related programming, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. This CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.